Howdy everyone, it's Keenan over at Lateral Limits, your friendly neighborhood SOT. This is now the ninth episode of our podcast entitled Cheap Therapy. So for today's episode, I'm very excited to bring in my buddy Earl Stigler, who owns uh, Settler's Table, which if you listen to, I want to say it was episode two and four, I did talk about Earl's restaurant and my experience there a little bit. So if you want to chime in, I did, Thank you. I did say some really sweet things about, about your I place. I appreciate that. So uh, I decided to bring in Earl uh, after it took us a little while to coordinate uh, schedules and everything. So we finally got him on. Uh, so without further ado, uh, Earl Stigler. Keenan, how are you? I'm doing good, buddy. I'm doing good. I'm living the dream. I got to go to, uh, I went to physical therapy this morning. And then after that, I went to the range, shoot some, okay. shoot some guns. Okay. Uh, and then now I'm here working. Aren't you too young for PT? I wish I was. Uh, in Marine Corps years, I'm, uh, I'm pretty seasoned. <laughs> I'm pretty okay. seasoned. So I spent nine years in the Marine Corps, which I guess you can equate that to like dog years. Yeah, so, so basically I'm like 60-something years. years old. Uh, no, it's mostly just for my back. I had an incident in 2015. I fell out the bed of a truck. Uh, and it was a pretty tall one. Um, uh, it's uh, Yeah, I fell out the bed, which obviously I'm a very lightweight person. I didn't have much weight going on me. So we hit a bump and I yeeted right out the bed. I landed on my hip, so I have a, a nice amount of... Uh, Nice amount of scar tissue on my hip, <coughs> as well as uh, my my back. So that's right. I hear that. PT you're you're just really, with the exception of the Marine years, you're way too young to have any issues like know. that. But it's all right because uh, the VA denies everything. So well, of course they do. It is what it is. But yeah, so I'm living the dream. Got to go to physical therapy. Have some dudes feeling all up on me. I mean, what's what's better than that to start Shakes. off your Monday? I'm yeah. sorry, uh, young ladies. Yes, yeah, there we go. Uh, start start my Monday off on that, and then I want to go side in uh, my thirty out six. I have a I'm going on a high fence hunt. Good for you this weekend. I'm very excited about that. So I'm going to hopefully knock on wood. Um, I'm going to give me a stag. So that's the hunt. Where that are you I'm going? going? So my buddy owns a ranch in Tilden. It's uh, he mostly does like rams. Like okay. that's his thing. It's uh, uh, I forgot the name of his ranch. But I'll figure that out later. But that's um, right. it's, it's a nice, a nice little place. It's uh, probably about fifteen hundred acres, I want to say. It's quite a bit. And he has about a four hundred acre high fence pen, and in there he has all kind of stuff. I went there in February and I killed a, a Sika. Really? Yeah. So I killed a Sika there, cool. and his pricing is phenomenal. His pricing is phenomenal. So I, now I'm gonna have to look up the name of this place. But yeah. So while I was there and we were waiting for my Sika, uh, I saw I've never seen a stag like ever right whether it be at a zoo or i've never seen a stag and this gorgeous stag came out and i was like oh holy shit okay how much right naturally so my seeker was 2500 bucks which is pricing is phenomenal sure, pricing sure. is amazing so my seeker was 2500 dollars because it was the last one and he had a broken main beam so he's like listen i'll give it he said normally we sell those for 3500 i'll give them to you for 25 he said, you'll probably, he said, you'll probably have to slide the taxidermist about 100 bucks to fix it if that's what you want. They said right. some people like the character, which I'm I'm OCD. I need I need like symmetrical things in my life. Mm -hmm. Okay. So uh, I ended up paying the extra. But while we were waiting for my Sika to come out, because, I mean, it's not like a canned hunt, right? They don't like duct tape an animal to a tree and let you shoot it. <laughs> you actually have to hunt a little bit, right? Okay, good. So yeah, uh, we fed. We put, we put a little bit of feed out. We waited about an hour and a half. We went to a different spot, came back to the original one. We were, so we, we had hunted for about two and a half hours before we saw the Sika. But right before that Sika stepped out, the, the most gorgeous animal I've ever seen, that stag came out. And I had asked him, I said, well, how much? So he said, I've had him for about a year. So he said, I can, I can do 3,000. 
And so about the time I convinced myself, like, dude, fuck it, just, you know, Venmo and 500 bones. Sure. He kind of wandered off into the woods and we didn't see him again for a few more minutes. And then the Sika came out and I was like, you know, and then like he told me, he could tell that I really wanted the stag. But he told me, he's like, look, Keenan, he said, the deal that I'm giving you on the Sika, that's a really good deal. He said, I don't care which one you poke a hole. Sure, sure. But he said, uh, that deal you're probably never going to get again. I'll be honest with you. Um, He said, I'm going to wait till... Because he said basically the the breeder, I guess they, they went up on their pricing. Right. So he said, if you want <coughs> if you want that Sika, go ahead and take him. He said, or worst case scenario, if we don't see the Sika Sunday morning, we can poke hole in that stack. I said, well, son of a bitch. Okay. <laughs> and sure enough, about 30 seconds later, the Sika came yeah, out. There's a Sika, right. I shot him on the run, and uh, and the rest is history. So, but yeah, I went to I went to. Oh, it's Kinsler's Rams and Exotics. That's what it is. That's the name of Trace Place. Kinsler's Rams and Exotics in Tilden. So, but yeah, uh, so I ended up shooting the Sika, and then ever since then, every person I've told that story to, I'm like, I regretted it. I really did. Not that I don't like the Sika, and it's beautiful. I mean, the meat was phenomenal. We're still eating some of it. It's a great animal. I love it, and it's different. It is. No it is. one I know has actually killed the Sika, but. Uh, I just I, I need to fill that void so uh, right. I can my wife it. yeah my wife said that I could go back next year but she surprised me a little bit she said that I can go uh, this year before deer season so like nice take advantage of it nice so that's what I went to the that's what I went to the uh, the range for this morning and then now we're here now we're here so anyway sorry about that guest that's right. let me go ahead and you know get off my high horse here on my five minutes not a problem about, about that so so Earl so one big thing that I was very curious about is uh your background is in like insurance right right so I'm very curious to see about how we shifted gears like how, how did that work for us? Well, my wife has been in the restaurant business since she was at North Texas when she was 18. Okay. Started at Texas, um, Taco Bell, grew up in corporate. Which, so she, she went to UNT. Right. Which is in the Sunbelt Conference. Yes. I went I went to ULL, also in the Sunbelt Conference. So you were competitors. Yeah, and we perennially beat the shit out of UNT <laughs> almost every year. So Well, we'll they had one good year. Yeah, Green, that is true. Yep. That yep. was it. But she had been in the restaurant business for, for many, many years. Okay. And then when we had children, she got out of the restaurant business. And then in 2009, we opened a restaurant downtown Denver, named after her father, called Papa's. And she's been in it ever since. My son's running it now. I have been in claims since 1983. Which you get along with my dad really well. He just retired from State Farm after we did? 28 years, 29 years. That's a long did. time to be with yeah. the company. Yeah. So he just retired. He, he, you know, claims claims made sense to me. I always wanted to be an attorney, and this is the closest thing to being an attorney without having to go to law school. Right. Loved claims, loved helping people, did a lot of work. I, I go back and look at the numbers, and I'm just blown away by how many claims I've done. But in June of 2001, I retired from my corporate position. I'm still doing a lot of independent work on the side. Okay. And by then, we had already started this. We signed the lease at Settler's. December 2019, because we've been in Sunnyvale for 10 years, okay. and Sunnyvale didn't have anything. They had a couple of restaurants, right. nothing that really spoke to the, to the folks here, the families, because it's a lot of young professionals with a couple of kids, three, four, five, six, seven years old, and there was nothing really set for them uh, where mom can have a glass of wine, dad can have a beer. And so we started on that journey, and so now I pour drinks in the afternoon. And I do some things in the morning, and that's my that's my role. She is 
she's the brains behind all this. She created right. all the all the recipes, all the menu items are all her creation, and uh, we're enjoying it. And I'm not trying to take away from you, but I think the the thing that really sets apart your little restaurant the most is like the vibe, the decor. That's really and interesting. There's no way that a dude could have. Oh no, done no, that. no, 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 no. Yeah. And, and the thing is, I have a daughter that's thirty. She is thirty-two. We had several conversations about how it was going to look. Me, right. I don't care. I mean, yeah. I'm eating the food, and what's on the plate is what speaks to me. But the is colors, the beer cold, and is the steak the way I want it to yes, be done? That's what exactly. matters to me. And like the name, we. We argued over the name for probably four months, and we finally put our foot down and said, "No, it's going to be this," because she felt the name was not was offensive to the indigenous people that used to live in the area. And I said, "Shanna, they're not here anymore. Let's move on." Right. But uh, no, everything is her creation. All the colors, the benches, and it's 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 a collection of many things. We've got tables from Bass Pro. We've got benches that came out of a restaurant that was doing a renovation in Cat. We've got my sister's table in there. Very good friends of ours here in Sunnyvale, they donated a table. They picked up a couple of tables at a couple of bought and end shops, and we just put it all together. Like the bar, it's yeah. Pecanwood, we picked up at Belton at uh, Mother Earth News. Well, it used to be Mother Earth News, uh, but Mother Earth still has a convention once a year in Belton. We went down there, saw the piece of Conwood, brought it up here. It wasn't intended to be part of a bar, but it became that. So it's just a collection of a bunch of stuff. So let's rewind back to the name. Okay. Right. So I think that's a very interesting take because a lot of business owners, they really stress about, if especially if it's like their first go at a business, they really stress about like, what do I call it? Right. You know, like, you know, for example, like when I lived in Louisiana, mm -hmm. my first like initial, I guess, business, I taught concealed carry classes and that was it. And it was called Alamal Concealment Training. Very, you know, re really... Uh, really new, right? Centric, so, yeah. Yep. So, and then when I got my FFL and started doing Cerakoting, I changed it from Alamal Concealment. And I had a DPAS KA Tactical, right? So just okay. initials Tactical, which I just never thought that that was like really like a cool name, right? So when we decided, when I decided to do the like the the actual gun store, the brick and mortar location here in Texas, I kind of did the Facebook post thing, like, hey, like you know, here you, go, you know, like all my friends, and they all came up with like. Names similar to that. It either had the words tactical in it or guns in it, which is not something that I really wanted to sort of weld myself to. Sure. Although that's what my shop is, it's a gun store. I wanted it to be known more as like sort of like a man cave. Okay. And as a brand, not just you can go there for guns, right? But at lateral limits, you can go there for this. There's this so much more Exactly. So that was one thing that I really struggled with, and I think a lot of business owners struggle with too, is the name. And so many people, I mean, you change, you can change the name, right? And a lot of people stress out about it if they do change it, but it just depends on how long you've been there and at that go in Absolutely. It, that makes it worth changing the name or not. And not many people are prepared for that. So I think that's a very interesting take that y'all struggle with the name as well. Well, that's just it. it you know, being Sunnyvale, it's actually the history is that there were four hamlets that came together, Trip, mm -hmm. New Hope, and Hallettsville, and I continue to forget the fourth one. But they settled here. They came together. And what she was trying to accomplish, what, what our goal was, is for a place that families could come. And it's, it's eating comfort food. It's a little elevated. But at the same time, it was... We want the families to come in. We want the kids to be here. We want the kids to have something to eat that they will enjoy just like mom and dad will. 
And what made sense to my wife is, well, there's settlers that, that were around here. Why don't we call it Settler's Table? Come home to the table and we've set a place for you and just come and sit and enjoy, have a good meal. Right. And it, it works. I, it just, I mean, from my perspective, okay, it makes sense, but I didn't understand what that meant to people. Mm -hmm. But now that we've been open, I see it. I see it every night. People come in, they visit, they bring birthday cakes in and they settle down. And it's very sit. homey. It yeah, really it, it's, it's not real fancy. But it's it's better than going to a restaurant that is a chain that you're going to get the same thing that they serve everybody else. It's it's a little bit better, fresher ingredients, and so we've done well. We've been very blessed. We've been very fortunate. Awesome, awesome. So so when you when you signed the lease originally in you said when nineteen December nineteen nineteen. So this was like right before. COVID got very serious. It's, yeah, I mean, everybody was still joking about pouring Corona beer down the down the sink because they didn't want to catch the coronavirus. I mean, nonsense like that because nobody, we had seen avian flu, flu, flu for years, but it was always over there, overseas. Didn't impact us here in the country. So we signed the lease December uh, 2019. We had walls and a roof. We had dirt floor. We did all our work underground. We poured the slab. And that's when they said, time out. We're shutting everything down. So for six months, we did nothing. We couldn't. I mean, so when when you signed the lease, was this like an empty parking lot or was this like a shell? Oh, no, it was just a shell. Okay. Walls and a roof. And, but interior, there was just dirt. So we right. laid our, our sewer lines, our Complete water lines. build out and everything. Yeah, yeah. So how long did that take, the build out? Two years, three months. Oof, man. Yeah. Yeah, that's a long one. And the budget doubled on us after we came back to the table in August, September 2019, when we were able to start again. He said, well, our GC came back and says, prices have gone up. We just didn't know it was going to double. Right. It was, it was a hell of a journey. Wow. Yeah, so that's a very long, nail-biting well, sort you of know, time. Once you start, you got to finish. Yeah. I mean, we could have walked away, but we had lost it. And, why did I... and it was really funny that you brought that up, too, because right after, so I signed my lease in June of 20. But I didn't really require much build-out, right? right? It, I mean, my build-out was about three weeks, and it was just like me and you know my my sister's boyfriend, my brother, my dad, just kind of like fixing stuff up, repainting. Sure. I built the cage that's over the back wall, you know, the room to kind of fortify and stuff like that. So as far as like build-out goes, it was very simple for us. So basically, I signed in June. We waited on you know COs and you know my FFL transfer, which is kind of a pain in the ass. If it you is. listen to one of my other uh, episodes of the podcast, that almost there was a mistake on the ATS part that like almost ruined me, and I almost was not even able to open where we were. Really? Yeah, which would have been abysmal to me. Because, well, I mean, it's not that I wouldn't have been able to open. It's that it would have taken me about three months longer, and that's three sure. months of me paying rent because I had already signed a lease and I had negotiated only two months of free rent. Uh, which really wasn't bad for a one-year lease. I got two months of free rent. So, but you. yeah, it was it was it, it was daunting at first, and I can only imagine if it would have taken me that long, you know, because I mean you're obviously extremely anxious and things like that. We're just it, we were pulling our hair out because it seemed like every time we had overcome a problem, something else would pop up. And if it wasn't the doors, it was the HVAC. If it wasn't that, it was the equipment. It was the steel on that was going on the walls in the kitchen. It was the pony walls. It it seemed like. Every time we turned around, we were having another obstacle, but we just kept stepping forward, kept moving forward, and inch by inch, we got there. Right. So uh, when when was the grand opening? When was first the day, day we opened for business? Our very first day was January twenty eighth. We had probably two weeks longer. We had our 
grand opening. Yeah, say like a soft opening-ish sure. for two weeks. Yeah, we had to work out the kinks, make sure that the workflows that she had envisioned were actually making sense, the right products, the prep, all of that, because it's we do lunch to dinner, and they'll, we'll open at 11, and we'll run till about 2, 2.30, really hard. And then from 2.30 to 4.30, it's all the prep work for dinner because we offer items at dinner that we wouldn't offer for lunch. Right. So there's a lot of prep work and then restocking. And then we go gangbusters at 5 to 8 o'clock Monday and Tuesday and 9 o'clock the rest of the week. And it's been a learning curve. And, and as we all know, labor has been a big issue right. since COVID. I, some people would show up and accept the position and then they wouldn't show up for the first day. Yeah. Or they'd show up for two days and say, no, nah, I don't want to work this hard. Yeah crazy yeah so it's actually funny uh so for my soft opening so i opened my first legitimate day open was uh september 17th okay which was a wednesday but i had opened up i think the thursday before we opened up the wednesday and thursday i shut down friday saturday Sunday, Monday because i was working full-time also as well right so uh for our soft opening uh i had one customer my first day I want customer. I was so excited about it too. Uh, but actually, it was funny because he bought, it was like $180 knife. That actually, I profited like $90. Even better. So I was like, oh, cool. I mean, that's kind of like sort of like my break even. Sure. Is, you know, I got a profit about, you know, at that time, it was about $100 or whatever per day is like sure. my profit. That's what I have to or whatever. So I did it. Uh, but the credit card machine didn't work. Uh, <laughs> so I had to call my merchant processor to be like, hey, what the hell is this? You know, the shit that you got me doesn't work. Oh, well, we can like, you know, two-day air you want or whatever, whatever. And I'm like, absolutely not. That's no. not how this works. I need you to get some little sales rep from Fort Worth to drive to Garland and hand me a new machine, set it up and everything, right? Sure. And uh, apparently I bitched about it enough that they did. Good for you. Yeah, so they got it's down. It's a squeaky wheel. Yeah. And actually, even funnier story, the second day, which is a full day, because our first day we actually had the customer, we didn't open until like two. I forgot the reasoning, but we were open from like 2 to 5.30. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the item that I sold was actually at about 11 because we were there like cleaning up and like doing some like, you know, finishing up some construction or something. Right. And a dude sh- just showed up and he's like, whoa, what is this? I didn't have signage. I didn't have anything. I didn't have anything for like six months. And he just showed up and he bought a knife and that was my only sale for the day. So it wasn't even during actual business hours. And then the second day, which was a full day, we were open from like, uh, I think it was 9 to 5.30. Right. I didn't have a single paying customer. I had about seven or eight people actually come oh, in. They're walking in the doors. They're looking. Yeah. So they walked around, which at the time, it was. it's really funny if you look at how much stuff that I have now versus how much stuff I had then. Day and night. Yeah. I had like six handguns and like five or six long guns. I had maybe total between every caliber, I had maybe about 50 boxes of ammo, which I mean, if you look now, I mean, I have yeah, thousands of rounds of yeah. just, you know, certain calibers now. Right. Uh, but I had hardly anything like that, that accessory wall that's on the left side of the shop. Yep. It was about a third full. I had stuff like, you know, two foot from one another yeah, to try to fill it up and make it look fuller. But yeah, it was kind of funny. So, uh, but yeah, so that was our soft opening. So my soft opening was only about a couple of days and then the next week we hit it hard. And, uh, uh, actually the funniest thing is, from, yeah. So for my actual like grand opening, um, I wasn't even there. You uh, weren't. Yeah, so I was working. I had booked a really big uh, corporate retreat at the ranch that I was working for at the time, and they requested that I be there. Uh, and it was so big that I was like, okay, you know, this would be a good chance for me to pass out business cards. Sure, and sure. like, it was a bunch of attorneys and everything, which it ended up paying out dividends. So uh, my brother worked by himself that day. I think he sold like one gun. 
you know, and that was about yeah, it. And, yeah. uh, but it was all right. I mean, it, it is what it is. So it's such a roller coaster ride. Yeah. I mean, you have such great days, and then you have days saying, "Why have I done this to myself?" But yeah. it's it's you're in for the marathon. It's not it's not a short race. It's not a it's not you know just a sprint. It's you you've got to build, and it's baby steps. Yeah. So one thing that really intrigues me is. Uh, in the in the market that you're in is mm -hmm. probably the toughest I think for I'm saying it's like restaurants going, okay yes. right so it's extremely difficult oh yeah so like um, I worked from the time I was 16 to when I was in college I graduated college at 24 I worked off and on in restaurants okay I managed a few restaurants so I understand how difficult it is one really one to get a customer in the door and to get them in more than once, right? That's extremely difficult in the restaurant business. It is. And a lot of businesses, uh, when we talk about like reviews, a lot of people tend to go to a restaurant and if they have a five-star review, they won't say a word to anyone. Exactly. Right, and that's extremely frustrating, especially in your line of work where you have so many people that are uh, that have their hands in the, the finished product, right? right? You know, you have your grill chef, you have your fryer, you have your waiter, you have your, you know, busboy, you have the bartender. You have so many people who are involved in that transaction. And for you to not get any sort of, you know, like five-star rating for a five-star experience sucks. Right, right. But if they have a one-star, if they, they have a one-star, yeah, if they have a, uh, a one-star experience, they're going to blast you all over Yelp. Yep. And I think restaurants have it the worst because... People go to a do. restaurant and they expect why well, I'm paying. I'm paying, you know, like for example, what's uh, what's your ribeye go for? Like Thirty-eight. So I'm paying forty dollars for a ribeye when I can make this for fifteen at the house, right? <laughs> so you know, think, yeah. I'm 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 paying twenty-five dollars extra to have you make it and plate it for me. Right. I demand a five-star experience for it, and if I get any less than that. I'm going to blast you all over Yelp. Right. And then on top of that, you have people that deal with like that. So one tough thing is getting someone in the door the first time. It is. And even if you give them a stellar experience, statistically, them coming back a second time is actually less likely than them coming in the first time, okay. which is difficult. But how do you set yourself so far apart? Because you're not just competing with people who serve your cuisine. Right, you're competing right. with Mexican restaurants. You're competing with seafood restaurants. Right. You're competing with every restaurant because, and then on top of that, you're also competing with me, the consumer, because I can also make food at home. Sure. You can. So one thing that's really difficult, and I've never quite understood it, is the marketing aspect and how do you get customers in your door the first time, and how do you get them keep coming back? Well, COVID was a blessing in disguise for us. Yeah, the two years and three months was really difficult. It gave her the time to create her menus, and I'm glad it did. But everything else was just, oh, my God, we've got, to, we've got to wait another week, another month. And I kept asking my contractor, how much longer? And, of course, he was just throwing numbers on the wall and saying another six weeks. Well, that became six months. The thing is, what's curious about Sunnyvale is they're very, very proprietary. And, and not, not, that's the wrong term. They're very... They want something that is theirs. Mm -hmm. They don't want the chains that are that have popped up on eighty, like the Whataburger, the uh, BK, Chick Fil A. They will they will take food from there, but they don't they don't see it as their own. They wanted something that was specifically theirs. And until we opened, there were only two restaurants. One was a Mexican restaurant, Tino's, and the other one was Kearney's. And we're not going to compete with a Mexican restaurant. They don't serve beer and wine, and, and 
that's a whole different animal. Different clientele. Right. Now, Kearney's, it's a full bar, and they, they've got a patio, and they've got the TVs, which we don't have. They have become, if you're wanting to watch a sporting event and have a drink and have some food, that's the place to go. We didn't want that. We didn't want people parking for a football game or a basketball game or a baseball game. We wanted families. We wanted them to come in. We've got a, a common patio that where if they want to sit on the patio and let the kids play and run around and, and you know throw walks in the water, they can. And they can sit there and be comfortable. Can you serve beer on the patio? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because TABC made us incorporate that space out there. But back to your question. it So Sunnyvale watched us. We're on college, which is the main drag in Sunnyvale, and we're just down from the school. So they would drive by and watch and watch. And they would people would come to the doors for a year after we had started construction. When are you going to open? When are you going to open? We're just waiting for you. We're watching. And they were. And we, we had a uh, Facebook page, and we kept posting updates there. So when we opened up, we they blew us away. And, and uh, we really felt bad because we had no expectation of how many and, right. and how busy and, and we were doing with 45 minute waits on, on entrees that we never, I mean, we don't have anything like that now, but we were just so overwhelmed and we started turning people away. We went to a reservation only because we, we just couldn't keep up with the demand. And, you know, once people start sitting, they, the clock starts ticking. If they're not sitting, then they have this anticipation, well, we're not, we will sit and then we'll get served. But so we had all this, this, these people coming in, but what Cherry did, we, we have stated that just about everything comes from Texas. All our wine is from Texas. Our craft beer is from Garland, intrinsic. Uh, yeah, been there uh, several story, times. Right. The, all our steaks, our hamburger comes from Wells Point, our steaks, all of our steaks, uh, Cowtels, all of it comes out of Fort Worth. Our bacon comes out of Fort Worth. A lot of our cheeses come up out of Texas. So we have decided to have a strong Texas presence because that was our choice because we think Texas has a lot to offer. But what we do, once we get them in the doors, we check on them, we touch them. We, we say, how was that? And we give them, we help to personalize their experience because we tell them about one of my cows is up on the wall, Luna. And we tell them, you know, I always joke that that's my firstborn and people look at me funny. I said, well, my firstborn cow. And so we tell the story about that. I've got my grandkids up on the wall. We talk about the tables that were donated. We talk about all the different components, you know, the, the furniture from Bass Pro and, and all of that. We we tell the story. We, we help them to understand where we're coming from. And then the fact that we live in Sunnyvale helps as well. So we talk to the people. We, we ask them about I will ask them, what do you think of that Parmesan chicken? How did you like that glaze that's on top of it? What did you think about that sirloin? Well, you know, my wife actually stole the glaze that goes on top of that from Steaking Out, which is out of business. It's that brown sugar and bourbon glaze. What do you think of your cow toes? And, and we're asking, all the desserts are made in-house. And we, we tell that story and we explain how these are her recipes. And because Sunnyvale believes and understands that this is their recipe, this belongs to Sunnyvale and only to Sunnyvale. Right. They keep coming back and we keep touching them and we and we make sure you watched Cheers when you were growing up. That's a little before my time. Really? Yeah. I'm not even thirty year old. Well, okay. But when we come in, we say hi to people. We recognize them, they wave at us, we wave at them. People will come in and they will see their friends. And it's not 
uncommon for someone to walk in. Mom will go over and talk to two tables before she sits down, and Dad will talk to a couple of tables. Whereas they're leaving, they'll see the friends. And because they see the community here, they keep coming back. And we, we never push anybody out the door. I mean, if you've if you got a table, you get a table. Right. I mean, there are times that wouldn't sit that we wish that you wouldn't sit there for three hours, but, but the table's yours until you're done. Right. And so it because Sunnyvale sees us as one of our own, they keep coming back. And we just and if there's something wrong, please tell us. We we ask them, talk to us. We will ask. If there's something wrong, tell us. Give us the opportunity to fix it. Because if it ain't if I don't know it's broken, how can I do anything about it? So And I think I think that's something that is really not looked at enough is like for example the question is like do you think seller's table would be as successful as it is if you move to Rockwell if you move to Garland Dallas right and that's that's something that a lot of people struggle with is like location right, right. and keeping it homey and, and you know like for example like right now like I told you before we started before we started the podcast that I'm, I'm, I went look at a new location yes. today in, in Saxe and I love it. it. It looks really clean. I don't know what they're asking. I don't know if it's in my budget or this, that, or the other. Sure. It's just the, the, the decision that I'm struggling with is not price, not location. It's just I want to stay as close as I can to where I'm currently at right. because you know by the time I'm ready to move, I'd have been there for three years. Right. And the citizens of you know Garland, Rollett, Rockwall, Mesquite, that area – I mean, they've paid my bills for the last three years, exactly. and we became their gun shop. And they took me in, not knowing who I was. I'm not. I'm not even from Texas. You know, they took us in and sort of trusted us with, you know, obviously their firearms purchases, which could potentially defend their lives. And so that's something that you know a lot of business owners struggle with is location and and to find a place where not only you feel at home but where your consumer base welcomes you into their home is something that not many people look It's extraordinary into. and you and you get lucky on occasion it's not something that you can duplicate many many times you have to understand your market and with our relationship mm -hmm. I could have gone to academy I could have gone to raise right but I came into your shop I checked you out. I saw that you were there. You were convenient. I walked in. We had a conversation. And I like this young man that was behind the counter. We had a conversation. I don't recall if I bought anything the first time or not. But I kept coming back because you, I was developing a relationship that I could ask you, what about this? What about that? And I trusted you. I trusted your opinion. I trusted your input. And when there was something I wanted that you, that you didn't have, you got it for me. Right. No questions asked. And Which you're a lover of all things cult and all things Turkish. There's a few others out there. Well, most of the stuff mostly cult yeah. and Turkish. Yeah. Which that funny you brought that up is uh, that like Browning A5 sort of clone that right. you got that like really pretty one. I can't even get that anymore. That's right. You told me that, and I'm just it's I've been struggling. Gun. Yeah, and it's it's a great price point. I mean, you're basically getting a Browning A5 for a quarter of the price, exactly. and it's Cerakoted. Uh And yeah, I can't I can't get them anymore. Apparently, they um, the distributor discontinued selling all of my distributors actually discontinued selling of that model that's crazy so a big thing i guess because i had asked one of them about i'm like i don't get it like it's a great looking gun i sold like three or four of them sure. other than yours and uh they're like yeah a lot of like the turkish companies they like to sort of like rinse recycle so they don't like to sell you know 10 million of one product okay they like to sell five hundred thousand of this one dump it five hundred thousand of the next one dump it and then you know so on and so forth 
Okay. Which I don't understand, but they said it'll most likely eventually resurface you know, in about a year future. or so. But yeah. Interesting. So, but yeah, man. So, um, aside from because you were talking about potentially expanding into the suite that we're currently sitting in, right? Yes. Well, that's just it. We've outgrown our space. Which mm-hmm. the thing is, our little restaurant in Garland is two thousand square feet, and it's we never envisioned the kind of volume that we're doing here now. But it's like it's it's day and night. It's the, the employees that we have in Garland could not handle this volume up here because they're just not work, used to working that pace. The pace is a whole lot slower. Down Garland is a whole lot different than Sunnyvale. But we've run out of space. We've had to buy more equipment. We're looking at expanding the equipment in the kitchen. And we had another lease space that was right across the hallway. We're taking that away from my daughter and putting in a bakery because we've got to have more space. And, and the people are asking for things that we have they want whole cakes, whole pies. They right. want to to walk in and piece uh, pick up a piece of cake. We can accommodate them, but they have to give us two or three days' notice. Whereas if we have this bakery, we can just full time prepare all those items on a full time basis and just have them. So if they want to walk in because, oh, I forgot I didn't get a dessert. Are you going to steal from the drive? No, we can't. No, that belongs to whole coffee. That sucks. But uh, no, it's 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 been a good problem. And now, across the street from us, they're going to develop that pasture. And my wife's already thinking, well, we could put a, a burger joint over there with shakes and beer. And I'm thinking, can we just enjoy the first one? Right. It, it's, it's been a challenge, but, you know, her creative juices are always flowing at you, always looking for the next opportunity. So, uh, and it's funny that you brought that up because I'm, it's crazy. I'm torn between do I move uh, and sort of set myself up as like a newer flagship location where I'm going to be for a long time. Right. But I'm also very intrigued in uh, Little Elm, Texas. I really want to put another location in Little Elm. Okay. And so it's funny that you brought that up about, you know, sort of, you know, babying your nest egg before you try to take on a new venture. Like, you know, watch all these eggs, you know, let's watch them hatch first and grow before we jump in, jump ship. So, I mean, I think my shop is at a place now where I could very easily walk away and go do other things sure like for example i'm actually uh considering purchasing an already existing coffee shop in garland interesting so it's just it's just one of those things where i've always been very intrigued with that and obviously i'm very knowledgeable in coffee Uh, we sell that out of out of all the sales that we do coffee is probably only about nine percent of my total sales right but i don't sell any cups that you can drink right i'm only selling bags of coffee that you right. brew at your own house and to be nine percent of seven hundred and eighty thousand dollars is a lot of cheese right that's just coffee it so is. i'm obviously very knowledgeable in coffee so it's something i've always been very intrigued with but it's funny that you brought up the other point about sort of you know watching all of your current eggs hatch before you move on to your next batch so to speak right so one thing that i was kind of curious about so your other your other your restaurant in garland right does it cater somewhat of the same cuisine is it different there's probably, I think, five items that are at, at both locations. And that's it. So why not open a second location that you already have, you know, obviously a business following for? Why change it up so much is what well, I'm Because curious. downtown Garland is, it's an old downtown. Right. And you have a lot of fixed income that lives in the area. You have a lot What's of... What's the name of the restaurant downtown? Paul Paul's. Paul Paul's. Yeah, okay. it's named after my father-in-law. 
but it is a an old downtown. You've got a lot of a lot of uh, retired folks. You've got a lot of fixed income folks, and she wanted to create a diner that would speak to them, things that they used okay. to go to when they were kids that they, they could take their grandkids to. And that, we got a, we have a lot of that, where the grandparents will come in with their grandkids and they have ice cream soda or, or banana split or, or some type of, or, and they just diner food. Sunnyvale is not Sunnyvale, like I said, is, is the young professionals. They've got the kids and they want to go someplace where the kids can play because they're not gonna leave them at home with a sitter. Sometimes they do, but most of the time they don't. And so they wanted, we, we wanted to create something that, again, it's elevated, it's still comfort food. You know, the kids still get mac and cheese if that's what they want, or they get a grilled cheese, or they get chicken fingers. But mom and dad, if he wants a steak and she wants salmon, or if he wants a, um, a chicken fried steak, the cow toes, and she wants Mediterranean bowl, stuffed zucchini, something like that, we've got it all for them. We don't have five of everything, but we have, we touch on all these different aspects. But at the same time, she wanted to elevate it, and she felt she had a good handle on what Sunnyvale parents, families wanted. She got it. Yeah, it, it's it's understanding your market and knowing. And I know with you, with with your location in, in on Broadway and in, in Garland is very convenient to a lot of people, and we know where you are. Um, but you know, the the question you have to ask yourself. Are they going to follow me or am I better off, you know, keeping this one and opening a second location? Right. Which is something that I constantly struggle with that decision. And there's only one you. Right. But the thing is, if, if the if the restaurant or the, your business is running by itself with minimal input on yours, then that's the time to start looking. That's the time to start asking questions. Well, what if I do it here and what am I going to offer here? And is it going to be the same product mix or am I going to change it up or am I going to increase it? Those are tough questions. But... Cherry keeps telling me, my wife, that you breed success when they when people understand that there's more of you. One restaurant sitting by itself in City Hall says one thing. Having two restaurants of two different concepts, well, that says a little different. You must really know what you're doing if you've got two different concepts. That third location, that fourth location, that fifth location. Look at Papa's. I'm talking. You got Papacitos, Papa Do's, Papa's Ribs. You got Papa's Burgers. And I think there's a fifth one. And it, it gives you comfort. I mean, I don't see Papa's anywhere else in the country, not that I've really looked for them, but, I, but because of their product mix, I know they're doing a lot of things right. Right. Otherwise, they couldn't open up the different locations. So it, it just gives credence to the fact that you're successful and you can do this by opening number two, number three, number four. That makes sense. It definitely makes sense. And one thing that I've kind of struggle with when I first opened was obviously because I'm not from here. Uh, you know, and I went to other gun stores just to kind of like check it out. I mean, most gun stores are pretty much all the same. Yeah. Right. Uh, I do think that I'm definitely uh, not the same. Right. But that's because of the different product lines and sort of different things and services that we offer. But like one thing that I really struggled with at the beginning and like I wasted a lot of money on, on stuff that I thought Texans would buy. <laughs> you know, like I thought, I be honest, like I thought, like like hunting was a lot more popular in Texas than it is. I didn't understand, for example, how Texas public land is laid out. 
you know, sure. you know, per acre, there's almost like no public land hunting in Texas because right. that's the way that, you know, the Texas laws are written because they wanted to have the, the government to have the least amount of power over the land, X, Y, and Z, which I didn't know that because I'm not from Texas. Sure. If I'd have spent six months in Texas before doing this, I probably would have understood that and understand how difficult it is to like, like in Louisiana. I mean, you can cross three roads, cut through a ditch, and you can deer hunt there. Sure. And that's public land. Not in Texas. Right. In Texas, it is nowhere near like that, right? right? So that's why you have all these ranches that are providing private hunts. And hunting Hunting in Texas has become far more privatized than pretty much any other state, right? Any other state in the United States. So, for example, like one thing that I struggled with was I just thought, you know, it's Texas, right? I mean, it's Texas. Everyone and their mom hunts. You know, uh, I thought that like bolt action rifles and hunting style shotguns would move really well. Like a dove season is really big here. Duck season is huge in Louisiana. I mean, that right. is Louisiana, right. right? Sportsman's paradise. Right. Uh, Earl, I cannot sell a bolt action hunting rifle to save my life. Right. I cannot sell a hunting style shotgun unless, unless someone invited their buddy at the last minute to go dove hunting with them exactly. for the weekend, they'll run in and oh, I'll, I'll take what I can get. Right. Right. And it's so difficult. And that's one thing that I struggled to learn with, but obviously you adapt, right? As I sell a bolt action rifle, have. I, I, I move it. Right. And I don't replace it with that same item. I can replace it with something different. Like sure. for example, like I think if I move to a more rural area, like let's say Saxe or even Rowlett, I would consider more on the rural side, Wiley, no, it, it's mo- right. It's moving away from the Metroplex. Your product mix will have to be different. Right. I think that that sort of product line would sell better yep. in a more rural area than yep. it does in like Garland, where people are more inclined to buy like more like tactical stuff. And, you know, suppressors do extremely well for us. Right. Handguns, I think, are going to do well regardless of where you're at. Always, always. But, you know, it just depends. And you have to you have to sort of diversify your portfolio regardless of where you go. But it's exactly. funny because when I first decided to open up my shop, I didn't know what garland was i didn't know who lived there like I, I didn't know i didn't know you know anything about any of the cities i just find after a month of looking i finally found a landlord that was willing to lease to me because right. i was opening a gun store which ironically enough was probably the most difficult like you asked like kind of like what was hard for me that was probably the most difficult aspect really? of opening my business was just finding but you're going to have better security than anybody on the block. Exactly. Right. And then on top of that too, but I'm, I'm obviously federally mandated to have like an obscene amounts of liability insurance. Yes. Well, I'm sure as a restaurant, you have to have a decent amount as well. Yeah. How much do you have? Like probably 2 million? We have uh, 1 million uh, for individual, 2 million aggregate. Right. So but I have- it's cheap. Yeah. It's a restaurant. It's a right. slip and fall. So now where they get me is theft protection. Yeah. Right. So obviously I have to have- you know, I have to have enough to basically cover my entire, you know, inventory. Now, yeah. granted, I'm, I'm, I mean, I take my stuff, my security seriously, right? I'm not do. one of these gun stores that just leave shit out on display. And I even have a sign out that says like, hey, I'm not stupid. I lock up, you know, guns, suppressors, optics. We lock up everything at night. Of and course. they're in massive safes that are like bolted. I mean, it would take a lot of work to get to my stuff. In many hours. Right. Uh, and, and, I mean, the average police response. So we did get broken into March 1st of 21. Okay. Uh, they were in and out in about 45 seconds once they realized they didn't have really shit to steal. But they left, and about a minute and a half later, Garland PD showed up. Right. So the police response time 
really wasn't that much if you account for, you know, they called, the security system called my brother first. I don't know why, but they called my brother first. He was six and a half hours away in Louisiana. Ooh. Hung up with him, called me. I had tickets. Yeah, yeah, you know, I mean, it just, it took me a second to answer. I was in like a rim sleep and, you know, and so it would have been a lot faster. But so as far as like insurance and stuff goes, obviously that's, that's my burden to bear. You know, it's my burden right. to bear. And for me to struggle as much as I did, I was really surprised because I'm like, this is Texas. Well, one, I was really surprised that they didn't have a gun store in every corner. No. I thought that was a thing here, you know, <laughs> uh, not being from Texas. I right, thought everyone right. open carried, everyone wore boots and a cowboy hat right. and drove lifted Z71s. But like, you're in Dallas. Right. Yeah. I'm very close to the city boys and all that other stuff. If you were in Lubbock, it'd be a different story. Or exactly. Right. Exactly. So uh, I was very surprised. So obviously when we did a little bit of research, I didn't have to do much because there wasn't much research to be done. I went to two gun stores, both had abysmal customer service. Oh, yeah. And I was like, okay. They're doing you a favor by acknowledging your, their presence. Right. So I was like, oh, these idiots have been here for 22 years. Yep. Yep. I'm going to take yep. over this town and literally in two years look at us now. Exactly. You know, it's vastly different. So, but that, like I said, that was one thing that was really difficult for me. I mean, I would like, like literally I'd be on the phone. Um, I'd be on the phone with like brokers. I had one broker straight hang up on me when I told him that I was opening a gun store. Click. Oh, you're talking about real estate brokers. Yeah. Okay. So I called him back and I was like, I'm, I'm sorry. Surely there's no way that you hung up on me. Right. Um, in the midst of a pandemic where no one is opening businesses. Here I am. I told him. I didn't even look inside the space. From the outside, I was like, I want it. Okay. It was well under budget. It's actually less than I'm paying for now. It's in Mesquite. It was a beautiful location. Loved it. Everything about it. It was right across the street from like a really nice apartment complex. There was like strip centers all over the place. And it was so like right now I pay like 2300 a month. I think is what right. I told you. Uh, they were asking 1500 a month inclus oh, inclusive geez. of triple net for a two-year lease. Really? And it was it was a little smaller. It was probably like uh, 950 square foot. You had a landlord that wasn't interested. Which I was like, okay, let's do it. The phone call never even made it to the landlord. Never even made to land. I only spoke to the broker. The broker turned me down. That's crazy. Yeah. That was money in his pocket. Yeah. And so actually it's funny now looking back because that same broker is now, is now trying to get my business of course. because uh, he found out that I'm trying to move to Rowlett. And he said, well, I have a perfect space for you. And I was like, I'm sorry. What was your name again? Yeah. And he told me his name. And I was like, you probably don't remember me. But I remember you. But I vividly remember your name. And I yeah. would rather stay in Garland in my 1,200 square foot space for the next 20 years and maximize profits out of that 1,200 square foot space than do any business with you. Of course. And that pissed me off so much of it that he turned me down without even giving me the opportunity to go to bat for his, with, the, with the actual landlord. Right. He straight up told me, oh, well, uh, in my opinion, like his opinion matters. No, it doesn't. In my opinion, gun stores never make it. We kind of put them in the same sort of realm as like mattress mattress depots right. and liquor stores, like convenience stores. That's crazy. I'm like, is my money not green? Am I not am I not bound to a contract? Right. Like, can you not sue me if I break the lease? That's like, what is this? Like, let's crazy. all act like grown That's men. Asinine. And so, uh, yeah, other than that, um, I struggled with that for a little bit. I did talked to one, a couple more landlords and they were, you know, places that didn't have brokers. After that, they put a bad taste in brokers in my mouth. And uh, after that, I kind of talked to a couple of landlords and one guy was like, look, I'm sorry. I just, I'm not interested. Sure. I'm just not interested. Sure. 
So I was like, okay, that's fair. I appreciate you being honest with me. But one guy kind of played with my emotions for a little bit and come to find out, he's like, oh, well, no, well, you know, for gun stores, we would want an extra, like, you know, $3 per square foot. And but again, what are you bringing to the table? I, no. I, in a retail space, you're interested in traffic. You want people walking by or driving by, and you want easy access, easy egress. And as long as they're coming in, it's up to me to get you to stop at my store. Right. And who's next door? I mean, unless what, a TNA place, right. uh, you know, a, a, a titty bar. I mean, okay, maybe that's not who I want as my customers, but right. Um, but everybody else, I mean, it's, and the thing is though, too, like at me, for example, right. You, sh you as a business owner should be begging for me to be in that strip center. Right. Because if you think my average ticket is the same as your average ticket, it's not, dude, it's not even close. Right. right. So now granted, I may only have 20 to 25 paying customers a day. Yeah, but look what they're spending. But some customers come in $2,500. I had one guy come in. He bought, he didn't buy it from me, but he bought it offline, had it shipped him for a transfer. It was a $22,000 gun. That's crazy. Right? So, I mean, that money didn't come to me, right? It went to the dude he bought it from. But and he's uh, willing to spend But while he was there, he bought a $4,000 rifle from me. Even better. And you know what I'm saying? So it's like you as a business should beg for someone like me who has right. a massive average ticket like my average ticket's like 600 bucks that's average you know and that's also counting to affect you know people that come in just to buy a three dollar monster i've got to have 30 people walk in my door to equate that 600 dollar ticket and you've got it with one person right speaks volumes yeah now granted obviously my you know out of the 600 dollars, it's not obviously all profit and actually profit margin in guns is abysmal it's terrible. Where I actually make money is suppressors are great. Uh, ammunition is pretty good now. Uh, now that prices are starting to drop, I can I can be competitive and still make a decent amount of sure. money. Which for a while, like we were selling it for when I first opened. See me, we were selling it for thirty five dollars a box. I was buying it for thirty two. Ooh, right. But I was buying it, not making any money off of it, just to get people in the door and in hopes right. that they buy something else. Right. Buy a bag of coffee that I can make $8 on. You know, buy this that I can make $5 on. You know, right. something to draw – because you have to have something that gets people to your business. Exactly. You know, if people keep coming to your business and they're like, Earl, dude, your grill, your griller sucks. The sirloins are constantly overcooked. They're stupid, dry, whatever it is, right? You have to figure out where your shortcomings are in a business exactly. and adapt. If you need to either replace the cook – Reteach them how to cook, you know, or is get scrap cook? scrap the menu item entirely. That's something that you have to do, but you have to get something that keeps people coming in to the door just to remain competitive and keep the lights on. Right. So while we talk about profit margins, that's something that I've always found very intriguing in restaurants. So let's talk about that for a second. Um, so not accounting for overhead and things like that. Profit margins in restaurants aren't amazing either. Oh, no. Right, aren't amazing either. So you rely more on volume and yeah. the art of upselling, right, which is something that not many places are very good at. Well, you have to be, though, to be it's, successful. Exactly, right. So, like, for example, like I was telling you, profit margins in guns is abysmal. Right. But where I make money in is holsters, ammunition, optics. Would you like a bag of coffee today? It's kind of kind of hot outside. Instead of a cup of coffee, we do sell Monster. Would you like a Monster that I can make fifty percent on? Right. right. So stuff, smaller stuff. You tend I tend to make better money off, better profit margins off of. Whereas you know, a, for example, that four thousand dollar gun, I made about three hundred sixty bucks. 
Good. Before credit card processing. Right. Which sucks, right? Yeah. But, 3%. Uh, right. But so there's certain things like upselling. So so explain to me about that. How can you get your your wait staff? How do you coach them in the art of upselling? Fortunately we've been very well, we've been very, very fortunate. Our three top servers have been doing this for quite a while. This mm-hmm. is all they've ever done, this is all they ever want to do. And they understand the the value because we're paying a little bit higher, but minimum wage for service is like what two fifteen, two thirty, and we're paying above that, but not much more. But the thing is, they recognize if they continue to sell more, not so not so much for the profit for my restaurant, but for their pocket because they're getting a percentage. We're averaging twenty percent across the board, cash and credit card, and so they, if they raise that ticket price, they understand they're making poor, putting more money. Yeah, because most people most people tip off percentage, right? And so they understand the desserts. They understand that extra glass of wine, the extra glass of beer. Um, do you want to take something home with you? Do you have anybody at home? And so they have been, our HR person has been with us for eight years. Okay. She started with us when she was 18. She's 25. Great kid. Love her. I Fun fact, that's what I went to college for. I'm sorry? HR. That's what I went to college for. Yeah. And Ruby's just great. And she understands that. And she... For the new servers that come in, she's showing them all the time. You've got to have that because, yeah, you made twenty percent on a on a thirty dollar tab, but if you had sold three desserts because there's four people there, not everybody's going to have right. one. You could have added twenty. Our ice cream sandwiches sell for seven fifty. They're they're made in Rockwall. But if you had added three tick uh, three of those ice cream sandwiches, you've added twenty percent to that tab. I mean twenty dollars to that tab. Well, all of a sudden you've gone from a forty to a sixty dollar tab. Well, what is that going to do to your bottom line? You're now getting twenty percent. That's uh, 12 bucks versus eight. Right. And what did you do? You just asked a question. I mean, it's not that big of a deal. And the same thing. If they, you know, if they're going to have a couple of glasses of wine, you say, well, would you prefer to have a bottle? And people think, you know what? We're going to sit here for a while. Let's go ahead and get a bottle. Again, is it better to sell two $10 glasses or a $45 bottle of wine? They get it. They understand it. And the ones that are coming in, Ruby has just done a fabulous job in teaching them. You've got to upsell. You've got to upsell. You, if you don't ask, the answer is always no. Right. And that's what bothers my wife and myself because when we go out, we're surprised that they will just drop off the ticket. We've had our dinner. We've had our salad. We've had our dinner. And I guess we're done. They asked if we want to refill on our sweet tea or our unsweet tea. And then they drop the ticket and walk off. Yeah. And I'm thinking, well, I guess we didn't want dessert. Right. If you don't ask the question, you're not going to And so that's something, too, that like uh, I was talking to uh, Trevor about the other day. So uh, when Trevor used to, he would check someone. They'd be like, oh, cool. You know, I'll take that gun today. Cool. We do the background check, 4473, bada bing, bada boom, done. Right. Like, all right, your total is, you know, $640. And he would normally be like, oh, is that it for today? But you got it. And that's not enough. You have to lead the customer. Right. You know, like, oh, well, um, you know, like, uh, for example, you plan on going on the range anytime soon, you're going to need ammo. Right. You know, sure, this pistol does come with a holster, but we have some upgraded holsters that, you know, are a little bit better for concealment. Uh, you know, one that's optics ready or, you know, would you like to put a flashlight on it? Those are really popular nowadays. Yes. Or, yes. you know, this, that, or I tell you what, you know, sometimes like we've been, you know, like some of the coffee that I have from Black Rifle, for example, right. it's a little bit older. So we've been trying to move it. So we do like, yeah, I tell you what, man, on my end, I just want to get it out the door. I don't care. I just sure. need to get it out the door because it's about to expire. So it's like, oh, well, I'll tell you what. I'll make you a deal. 
when in reality, I'm fine with giving it to you to get it out the door. But I, I tell you what, you buy two bags of coffee, I'll give you one on me. And most people are like, oh my God. Yeah, I'll take it. It's $17 I'm getting in free free merchandise. I'll take it. Sure. When in the back of my mind, I'm thinking like, oh, thank God. You yeah. know, finally got that out the door. You know, that particular bag got it out the door. And so not asking the question, not asking the right questions can be worse or if not equitable to just say, okay, here you yeah, go. There's exactly. a check, you know, $650 today. You've got to ask the question and you've got to do it in a way that you're right. You've got to. Many, many, many years ago, there was a gentleman, uh, he ran a, a locksmith, uh, locking key place mm -hmm. in, a, in a shopping center where my parents had a dry cleaners. And I'm going to say this and I'm going to, I'm going to, and I don't mean it in the wrong way, but you said customers are sheep. You've got to lead them. You've got to direct them. You've got to help them to understand what they need. Because sometimes, that's why when you go to the register, you've got all this point of sale stuff. Because they want the kids to pick up that candy bar and the gum and, and, and the little toys, the little bag of Legos and all of that. That's that impulse buying. If you don't ask the question, say, oh, by the way, uh, have you tried our coffee? Oh, by the way, you've got you just got that. Do you need any ammo for your for your thirty eight special, or do you need a new holster? Have you thought about any optics for that nine mil? You've got to ask those hard guys, and it's not hard questions, but you've got to ask plenty of questions because you you've got to get them to start thinking. Said, you know what? I'm running a little low on my nine mil, so let me go ahead and pick up two or three boxes while I'm here because I don't want to go back out again. Right. And so you've got to ask the right questions. You're exactly right. right. I mean, think about. It. I mean, I, I come to order a steak from you, and right. I mean. I mean, nominally, right? Let's say, how much do you charge? Like, let's say, add onions to for a what? steak. Let's say you're adding, you know, caramelized onions. How much do you charge for that? We don't. That's part of the price. So let's just say, like, you did. Right? Okay. But I'm saying, like, let's say it's an add-on, like at most steak places. Okay. Sure. So, like, all right, cool. <laughs> I'm not a mushroom guy, but onions, I'll tear that up every day. Of the sure. Week. But like, let's say I come to order a steak. If you don't ask me, I'm probably just going to forget about it completely and say, cool, 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 I'll take the steak as it is. Right. But I mean, let's say you charge uh, $2.95. Sure. I mean, how much does it cost you for that probably eighth, of, 50, eighth of an onion? Right. But you're making all this additional, I mean, 300% profit off of it by your, your server asking one single question. Right. Like, Oh, actually, Keenan Keenan's working the grill today, and he may. I mean, his caramelized onions are phenomenal. Would you be? I mean, it's only two two ninety five extra. Would you like to go ahead and have that right. on? I'm going to say absolutely because sure. you sold it to me. But if you don't ask me about it, and I just have to read it, I'm like, eh, three dollars for you know just to add some onions to the steak. I don't know about all that. That's you like know. the desserts. When we say our chocolate cake is made by scratch, it's not a it's not a frozen product, and we make our frosting by by uh, by hand, and we hand whip it. They start drooling. Right. And I said, and we heat it up and we give you a scoop of ice cream and we drizzle some chocolate. We're done. Yeah. How many pieces do you want? Right? Because you've got to let them know. You because they see chocolate cake on the menu, eh, chocolate cake. But if you if you help them to understand the quality of the product behind it, they just And but they can't. a lot of times too though, man, it, you can't so like I can try till I'm blue in the face to try to convince you. So let's say you'll have to spend 50, you know, if you want a gun, right, you may have to spend like, I don't know, three, four, five percent more to get it from me because I'm a smaller shop. I don't even think about that. But the thing, and, but the thing is, is not everyone's like you. And it's the same thing in the restaurant, restaurant industry as well, because let's say, you know, I come here and spend $40 on your ribeye. Right. But 
a lot of people will be like, oh, I can get the same thing for $15. Sure, I have to cook it. I have to start the grill. I have to do this. I have to do that. But I'm, at the end of the day, I'm saving X and Y, and Z. Sure. And you're going to have people. And at when I first opened, I really struggled with people with that mindset. Because no, I, I'm not well, Keenan. I can get the same gun that you sell for five fifty. I can get it online for four ninety. Okay. And it's like, but dude, like, and it would kill me inside because it's like my cost in that gun is five ten. But you can't worry about that because right. you're always going to have that type of customer, and you've got to realize is that who you want, or you want the person that comes in that appreciates the the convenience. You go to Academy and you're going to wait bare minimum. 30 minutes for someone to wait on you, and that's assuming that they don't walk off and take off and do something else. Yeah. And then you've got the whole the perp walk that you've got going out. And, and okay, maybe it's it's maybe you're, they're closer, but you know what? I go to you because I walk in, I visit with you, we talk a little bit. If I pay three, four, five percent more, but I'm walking out, and it's it's a pleasant experience as opposed to. How much longer I'm watching, looking at my watch, worrying right. about this. Do I need to take off? Do I want to come back? Yeah, and I went to uh, I went to another gun store. I'm not going to say their name, but I went to another gun store. They cater mostly to like law enforcement. GT, mm -hmm. right? <laughs> uh, um, and I went there to look at a suppressor that they had. Uh, and I really I went there as a professional courtesy to also like introduce myself. Sure, but everyone was so rude there. And I was like, you know what? It's whatever. I'll just whatever. But I, I actually, I did go there to look at a suppressor uh, because I was going to buy it and then turn around to flip it. Right. Right. So um, I was just going to have it form three instead of, you know, obviously I don't have to wait six months to right. get the can. They just, you know, they would ship it to my shop and all this other stuff. So there was no one in line. I went there on like a Thursday at like, I don't know, like one o'clock, two o'clock, whatever. They were super dead. There was like no, there was like maybe three or four other customers there. There was no one waiting in the gun counter. So I stood there, and uh, I stood there by the. They have they have like two suppressors in stock. Sure. Right? We have like forty something, you know, that are like right. available for purchase. They had two suppressors that were like available to buy. They have it's called Silencer Shop, which basically you just go to their kiosk and you basically place the order. It ships to them in like three to four weeks, sometimes six weeks. When it gets there, you come in, you finish the paperwork. Whereas I don't like to do that. No, I, I think either. it's pretty dishonest. Like, I mean, how would I feel if I went to your restaurant and I was like, oh, the menu says you have sirloin. No, no, no. We're actually going to have sirloin next Thursday. No. So if you'd like to come, like, I no. Yeah, I want it now, right? So, which I was like, yeah, whatever. So I, I that's not the business model that I chose to have. I only sell, I only sell shit in my shop. And even if you go to my website right now. Right. Unless it's something we forgot to remove or forgot to add. If you see it on the website, I have it in my shop. Right. You don't even need to call, right? But a lot of people still do just to make sure. Because right. obviously human error because my website doesn't communicate to my POS. But uh, I went there to look at the suppressor and uh, I was willing to pay retail for that can, mm -hmm. right? Because I had a customer who wanted it, right? but he wanted to get it from me and didn't feel like doing the whole silencer shop thing. So I was going to buy it, turn around, flip it to him for like, I don't know, you know $50 more sure. or whatever. So I went there. There was no one in line. They made me take a number. What? They made me take a number. There was no one in line. And they were like, just, yeah, but we, we would hate for you to not take a number. Someone takes a number and they get cut in front of you. I'm like, but I'm, I'm talking to you. Right. Why do you want me to walk 10 feet over there to pull a number just for you to say, now serving 41, now serving four Like, that doesn't make any sense. So I was like, okay, whatever, bro. So I walked over. I took a number, came back, talked to him, shot the shit with him for a little bit, talked about the suppressor. It was like beat the shit. Apparently it had been on display for like three years. Really? And they never sold it. So I was like, okay, there's obviously a reason. Because I asked him, I was like, what is it used? And he said, no. 
I said, okay, so it's never been shot. He said, no. I said, okay, cool. I said, uh, well, obviously it's really dinged up. It's old. It's actually the, the outdated model of this suppressor. So what, what can we do on price? And this was like a $1,700 suppressor. It was right. very expensive, like way more expensive than anything that I sell. Mm -hmm. He said, ah, we could do like $30 off. That's it? I said, you're willing to do $30 off a can that you've owned for three years that is scrap that I'm going to have to refinish. I'm going to have to get it Cerakoted. And you only want to do $30 off? Like, is that the best you can do? He said, yeah. Mm -hmm. I said, okay. So I was like, okay, cool. And then actually, just to... Just to um, add salt to the wound. I asked him if there was any other place in Garland that he that I can get suppressors from. He Googled Garland suppressors, right? Which if you Google us, if you Google suppressors and the word Garland, I have my SEO set that way. Right. We are the first link to pop up. Good for you. He Googled it and was like, oh yeah, you'll probably have to go to like McClellan's or you can go to Texas Gun Experience in Grapevine. What? I was like, Bro, you're looking at Google right now and you're not going to tell me to go to Lateral Limits? Which is fine because if you click on lateral limits, it would have been hilarious because it would have been a picture of my face, right. basically all plastered all over it. But it's like, dude, like, what is this? They just they're not interested in doing business. <clears throat> yeah, and so after that experience, I was like, okay, you know, hey, it is. You what know it who is. your competition is, and they're not competition. Yeah, you're you're in, involved with the customer. You have that relationship, and that's what people still want. There's a lot that come in and they just they buy online and they're always going to buy online. But for the people that walk in the door, they want that relationship. They want that, that comfort feeling. They want to be right. able to ask you a question and you're not going to smirk because they don't know the answer. You're going to be honest with your customers and that's all people want. They want to be treated with some respect. They want to know that you're glad that they walked in the door and that you're happy for the business that, you, that they've given you. And a lot of people are really uh, sort of... I guess intimidated to come into a gun store and ask a question because of the mindset of most other gun stores. Sure. Like you go to any other gun store and you can ask a question, hey, you know, I for example, it. it could be a really common question like, hey, I have a Colt Python that's chambered in 357. I've heard mixed answers. Can I shoot 38 out of it? Right. They're probably going to laugh at you when it's in reality, it's just an, an uneducated person asking to right. be educated in, you know, from a sub, what they assume to be a subject matter expert. They're, yes, they are SMEs, and, and the thing is, they're asking questions because they don't know. But you're right. When I used to go to SAW, mm -hmm. oh my God, BNS, absolutely. Rays, same thing. And Academy, the only thing that they have is they have they have a Warm big box, box but they, they just, the gun counter is just poorly manned, and they're not interested in, in you know, turning the people, and I go to you. Because you're there, I can take care of my business. I ask questions. We talked about um, what was it, the 1911 versus the 2011, mm -hmm. and because I didn't know what the 2011 was, but I had no fear in asking you. Right. I, I don't know. I've heard the term. What is it? Can you explain it? How it's double stack, right? Yeah, it's a double stack. And, and so you didn't you didn't give me any attitude. You just answered the question honestly and said, "Oh, well, that makes sense." Yeah. Whereas you go you go to some other gun stores and they're like, "Oh, well, if you don't know the difference, you must you must be in the wrong tax bracket to afford right. a 2011 or, right. or whatever it is." Right? It's it's stupid. Like for example, I was talking to so you asked me about like doing the podcast on YouTube. The one that I did was with my uncle David, right? Who uh, is my parent, so that's French for Godfather because that's where I'm from, right? From Louisiana. Good. So I was I had. I did a podcast episode with my pa Ryan. That's one thing we talked about was the customer service that you're going to get from someone like a small, small gun shop versus an Academy or Bass Pro. Right. Right. You can text the shop at any time. Right. 
and unless I'm sleeping or like actively doing something, I'm you know, and I can't stop what I'm doing, I'm gonna respond to you almost immediately. And you do. And like, I mean, he, you know, he would text me about the gun. Hey, gun is it? it can't, hey, Keenan, is this a good gun for this specific purpose? And he was like, dude, the explanation that I'll get is so far different. Whereas you go to academy and you'd be like, hey, can you know, is 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 three oh eight a good elk hunting cartridge? Right. You know, probably they don't know. You know, because no, they, they don't—they've never been elk hunting or big game hunting or anything like that. So they probably wouldn't be able to answer. So they would—it would probably be a bullshit response anyway. Sure. But the ones who do know would probably laugh at you to think that uh, you know a short action cartridge has enough ass. When in reality, it does because they're so uneducated in the matter and not understanding ballistics and velocity and, exactly. and expansion of a cartridge and things like that. Whereas you'll get an answer like that from a small gun store that has subject matter experts. That, that that's what we are, right? I mean, we deal with this sort of stuff every single day. Mm -hmm. I don't have to bounce between the apparel and help out the shoe section and then also work the register. Like I, what we do, we're a specialized, we're a specialized store that caters specifically in these specific types of firearms. Right. And if people come in and they have a gun that's outside of my realm of expertise, I will be the first person to tell you, hey bro, listen, I'll be honest with you, this is outside of my wheelhouse, however, I know three extremely reputable smiths that I can bring this to, you know, two of them I'll have to ship it to or one I can bring it to a buddy and they'll be able to get this fixed up way faster, probably way cheaper, uh, you know, and they'll be able to get it done, you know, faster turnaround time. And a lot of people appreciate the transparency though too. Sure. You know, a lot of people, a lot of people really like that. They do. So, um, aside from that, uh, and you're obviously thinking about, uh, well, expanding the whole bakery thing and things like that. So I assume you've had enough sort of people questioning about it, you know, about like wanting to, you know, to have like more like baked goods and things like that. Yes, they are. So, um, so when, when's the timeline for that? When do you think? I'm waiting on the bids for the drywall right now. Once we get the bids, I'm probably going to get them a green light to put the walls in. I'm, I think within 60 days, we'll have the bakery up and running. So it wouldn't really require any additional build out. For a couple walls right here because mm -hmm. we have to have a quote unquote kitchen. And yep. then we'll have a little office space. We're going to put some bakery cases here. We've got all the electricity and the power. We're yeah, going to have to relocate some uh, some lights. The sprinkler system, I guess. Is that what that is? Up yeah. Top? Yeah. Yeah. So right. you have to put the sprinkler system on top of the fire depression That's system. Right there. Ah, okay. And because we're not going to pull all the way to the ceiling, it, it will cascade over the entire And quite honestly, everything we do is by Everything we will do for that bakery is all through convection. Mm -hmm. So it's one piece of appliance. The hardest part is putting in the sink because that's a wet wall. I'll have to put in a three bath sink. But we've already got the oh, and we have to tie into the uh, the grease trap, which is right out there. Right. That we so the the coffee shop right here, they don't do like baked goods and such. Very little. Uh, I think all the baked goods are being done by uh, our premises, which is fine. I mean, that's going to be a really good. Though, I think. Well, it's a little different. I mean, we have a real good relationship with Hope Coffee, and, and like we were thinking about opening for breakfast, they asked us not to because they didn't want us to cut into their business. And right. I, and, I that. and there's a whole, there's not a whole lot of blending. I mean, quite honestly, people will get Hope Coffee and walk into a restaurant, sit down and eat. By the same token, they'll take to go food from us and go over here and drink their coffee. Which I'm probably going to get a cup of coffee on the way out. So yeah, no, they're great people. We really, really like them, and. Uh, we're not going to have any trouble. Yeah, and I really like, like, because I was explaining to you about, I, you know, I'm interested in purchasing a, an already owned coffee shop and everything. So I really like the vibe that you get from like really small, 
right? Coffee shop, even more so, I think, than a restaurant. Because I'm more inclined to go to like a, a Hope Coffee mm-hmm. than I would be to like, let's say, go to a Chili's or something like that. Like no. that doesn't bother me as much. But like when it comes to like stuff like that, because first off, I don't think any chain, like I don't like Starbucks. That's just not my scene. I don't either. Uh, I do, however, like Dutch Bros. Okay. Um, a friend of mine had asked about my wife, Janae, like that she, I mean, she like lives for Dutch Bros Coffee. Hmm. And someone had asked me about it. And another thing too is about them. It's like, because they were like, well, what is it? And I was like, imagine like coffee, slightly better than Starbucks, but with Chick-fil-A customer service. Wow. That's about the best way I could describe Dutch wow. Bros. That says a lot. Yeah. So they're, I guess they're like way more popular, like in the Northeast sort of you know okay. area. And then they're obviously branching down and they have, they had one in Plano that Janae would literally drive from Rowlett to Plano to go pick up this coffee. And then now that says they, a have, lot. they have one literally half a mile from my shop now. Oh, good. So, but I'm more inclined to shop at like a little hole in the wall coffee store. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I understand how daunting it must be for them to go against the Starbucks, you know, which everyone in their mom shops at. But it really irks me when, you know, obviously I drive by a place like Hope and there's right. no one in line. But you drive to a place like Starbucks, which is everything's outlandishly overpriced. I mean, you're looking at like $7 now for just a cup of coffee. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, the, the line is wrapped around the building. It's nuts. It's nuts. You know, it's like, dude, they're prof. And then, honestly, if you look into it, the, the type of, like, coffee beans that they utilize are, like, the cheapest of the cheap. Of course they are. You know, and actually they're outsourced. They're not even, like, roasted by Starbucks. They're outsourced by someone else. So they just buy they just buy it and whole bean grind it in the store and then, you know, it's add a some cream and, and stuff. that's all they're selling is that concept. And they've got their own language about how you order a cup of coffee. And I've just never been into that. Yeah, it's like, uh, would you like the venti or, I don't know, like, the big one? You know, the, the, big, the big one, please. Yeah. Oh, do you mean this? And I'm like, I don't care what I mean. It's the largest I just want the big one. And I want straight black. Yeah. And then, of course, actually, the last two times I've gone, because someone gave me a gift card, last two times I've gone, they do the whole, like, pay it forward thing. It's like, ugh. You know, no, I'm going to be that guy. I'm going to be the one to break the chain. You know, and now moving everyone behind me, you got to pay for your own shit. <laughs> you know, it's like, no, and it's because of me. Like I did it one time, dude. And like mine, I went for one cup of coffee. I was using a gift card. They're like, oh, do you want to pay it forward? So I was like, yeah, sure, whatever. Here's my credit card. The person behind me was buying a freaking coffee for like the whole damn office. Oh, no. It was like 40 bones. And, and I'm like, okay. I'm like, okay. Yep, I'm done here. I'm never doing this shit again. Yeah. Because you also feel like a weirdo, but like, like, yeah, I'll do it. But like, how much is the... Like how much is the ticket it's behind either, me? You're either online or you're yeah, and so and I'm just... never, yeah, I'm never doing that again. So that person who ordered coffee for the whole office, they ruined it. They ruined it for me. So, but anyway, so but that's exciting, man. That's exciting. I think the little addition of the bakery is going to be really, really hope so, really good for you, really good for you. So um, we're at about a minute and fifteen now, so we'll kind of start to wrap it up and everything. So aside from this. Are we serious about the burger joint across the street, or is that on the back burner for now until we get the bakery well, stuff set up? Well, it'll probably be a year, year and a half before the break ground. Mm-hmm. Um, but that is something the hamburger that's meat that we've got. The best thing I can tell you is like eating a hamburger. My dad used to grill once, twice a, a month out in the backyard with mm-hmm. charcoal, and I can't get that hamburger taste anywhere. With our hamburger meat, you taste the meat, not just you know everything on top of it, all the condiments. And because it's been received very well, we're giving a lot of thought. And again, shakes, burgers, fry, we hand cut our fries, or a glass of beer if you're so inclined. And just very simple, not a big deal, and just sell burgers. So. Yeah, I and mean, it could be a very simple menu too. Like uh, we go to uh, Hat Creek 
at least probably two, three times a month. Mostly because my kids love the playground. Well, thing, that's just it. Right? You go because of the kids. Right? right. And then I like going because I can get a beer there and watch my kids sweat their exactly. butts off and, and play exactly. on the little playground thing. So, but their menu is very simple. Yeah. You know, there's nothing crazy about it. There's even, there's one place, Janae likes to go there. I forgot the name of it, but they have like three, uh, uh, they have like three menu items and yeah. some shakes. I don't know what the name of it is, but my wife, my wife loves it there or whatever. And I'm like, God, this is like, you mean to tell me that the, the staff only has to know three items? Well, look at Kane's. Yeah. Their sandwich is chicken fingers. Yeah. I mean. Literally uh, everything. They have fries. They have coleslaw. They have chicken fingers. And, oh, Texas toast. Yeah. That's it. Because uh, the coleslaw, you could throw that shit away. I don't want that. Yeah. I'm, replace I'm it. Gonna... Replace it with. Take the slaw. Replace it with toast every Give time. Give some more fries. Whatever. Right. Anything yeah. but the slaw. No, but we're trash. seriously considering it. I mean, we've got some time on our hands, fortunately. But uh, no, I think we're going to do it. Awesome. Awesome. So one thing that I like to end every podcast with on your side is I want to know what's one thing that you did. Like it doesn't necessarily have to be this business, which is any business that you've had in general. What's one decision that you made that you think has paid enormous dividends? So like something that you did really right. And then what's something that you sort of regretted? Let's say pursuing a certain something. What, what, what's something that you did really well? And then what's something that you regret? The one thing I regret is spending as much money as we did on this restaurant, and I don't own the building. I mean, the initial budget, I mean, that was fine. But when we double that, and you're 300 grand plus into somebody else's building, right. I won't do that again. We, yeah. we have discussed that. We're going to own our building if we're going to spend that kind of money. The one thing that my parents taught me years ago. So pause that. But so if, if you walk away, if you walk away after your lease is done, do you get... No. Any sort of... Wow, no, that's crazy. That's their money. I would have to sell the restaurant to get that money back. And that's... I mean, we're so blessed that we don't... That's... Either we sell it or we keep running it. So, right. I mean, as long as we... Can, again, I, it's, I've improved somebody else's property, which doesn't sit very well with me. I mean, yeah. 50,000, no, mean, 75,000, that's one thing. But when you spend 300 plus and you have to leave it... And I yeah, that's a lot of that's a, that's a home. Yeah, it's physically a home. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And there's a few years of debt service that I've, you know. Yeah. My parents were in the dry cleaning business back when dry cleaning was a necessity. People right. wore suits to work. And the one thing my parents taught me that I have carried forward, and it has allowed me to be successful in, in just about everything I've done. You got to think like a business owner. And I know that doesn't sounds a little cheesy, but what I'm saying is in corporate America, as well as small businesses, you have a lot of people that are walking around, oh, I'm not going to pick that up because I'm a server. I'm not going to pick that up because I'm a fry cook. Oh, I'm not going to pick that. You know, it's a piece of trash. It's, it's uh, someone spilled a little drink and there's a wet spot on the floor. I'm not going to touch that. I'm, I'm not part of the cleaning crew. A business owner, as you all well know, we see what needs to be done. And it's not because I have a title or we're a crown, or I'm the one who signs the paychecks, it needs to be taken care of. You pick up the trash, you, you clean up that wet spot. If you see a table that's dirty, we I mean, I pick up glasses, carry them to the bar, make sure, and if I can't get to it, I make sure it gets done. Right. But the thing about it is, you don't, you recognize it's a, it's, it's a whole different mindset. Because when you're an employee, and you think like an employee, you will always be an employee. But when you have an ownership mentality and doing the things that are not necessarily within your job description, but you know it needs to be done, 
you see the trash is overflowing. You say, hey, where can I take this so that we don't have trash on the floor? Or, or I see someone left here. Let me pick this up and take it where it needs to be. And in any business, you know, I've worked corporate America with insurance companies. I've worked for smaller companies. I've worked for myself. But in every case, you go into the bathroom of, when you're working in an office building and, and there's no paper towels. I come out and say, hey, where can I get some paper towels? Not so much for me. I've already taken care of myself. But the next person that comes in, right. again, it comes back to doing what needs to be done. Not not what I'm required to do, but I see that that, that obligation, it, it's, obligation is a wrong term. It's just you, you own what, where you your space is. And if you think of it as your own, you will, because people watch it. No matter where you're working, people are always watching you. It may be your customers, it may be your superiors, it may be your coworkers. And if they see that, they they hold you in a in a in a different perspective because they recognize you're not just here for the check. You're here because you you know you want to contribute. You want to be part of the team. And he's willing to do these other things that don't necessarily. You see someone carrying a box. You say, "Hey, let me help you with that." As opposed right. to turning a blind eye and say, "Well, that's you know he's carrying the box. I don't need to help him." It's 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 being aware and and, and, and getting fully engaged. Um, that is the one thing that that both my wife and my son, uh, my my most of my kids have adopted. My sixteen year old has a he's sixteen, and but all of my kids have recognized that if you do what needs to be done, regardless of your title, your position, and whatever you're doing, it helps you to be successful. Because again, people are watching, and they, if they see it, they put you. You're going to be first in line for a promotion. You're going to be first in line for a raise, or or you're going to be that owner. So it just it's long term effects. And uh, it's funny that you brought up about like how much you work in your business versus on your business, I guess, which is totally different. So yeah. actually, a really good uh, discussion that I had was with my uncle because my uncle's in I think in a vastly different sort of stage of his business than like you are with Settlers and I am with Lateral. Sure. You know he's been in it for like a like 10 years now, right? right? So he's focusing way more on the working on versus working in aspect of it, which is a really interesting conversation that we had. Uh, but it's funny. So like people, I mean, I'm obviously there all the time, right? I'm actually right. there for a few hours on Mondays, but even on Mondays, I mean, like technically right now, I guess I'm working, right? But I mean, I went to the for range sure. for work. I went to do this. I went to run errands. I got to go, you know, pick up trash bags. I got to go pick up this. I got to go grab this. I got to, yep. you know, drop off and pick up firearms from different manufacturers that we work on or they work on. So, I mean, the work never stops, right? Sure. And then when I get home, I got to answer emails. I got to, you know, return phone calls. I got to answer text messages, answer Instagram. The, the work never freaking stops when you it work for yourself. And it's so funny to me that when people come in and they're like, man, Keenan, do you never take time off? Which it's <laughs> funny because, but then likewise, like for example, I'm going to be gone half the day on Friday and then on Saturday. So basically like a day and a half, which I'm only open for half a days on Saturdays anyway. Sure. So about a day I'm going to be gone. I guarantee every bit of probably 10 people are going to be like, huh, so Keenan made it, huh? Doesn't have to work anymore. But it's funny when people come in, they're like, you know, you're always here, dude. Which I just really don't want to tell them, like, yeah, but my, my labor's free. Right. So I'm the cheapest labor I know. Yeah. So if if one of the other dudes are here, they're on the clock. Whereas me, I'm just here collecting my little insubstantial paycheck that I pay myself, right? So a lot of people don't understand that because I guess they just assume that, oh, well, like Earl owns not one, but two restaurants. I mean, this dude must be rolling, but he's always behind the bar. Like he's always working. Like, I don't understand that. Like Earl made it, you know, it's like Keenan. I mean, obviously 
we did really well uh, last year. We sell a lot of guns. We do all these crazy, you know, I'm doing a podcast now. We're doing all kind of different stuff. It's like, why, Keenan, like, why are you, why are you here, dude? You should, it's like, dude, I mean, just because. It's your baby. Yeah, just because my business does extremely well doesn't mean that I, I want to walk away from it either. It's like your three-year-old or a four-year-old or five-year-old. Just because they can walk and go to the bathroom by themselves and feed themselves, you don't leave them on their own. You still have to protect. You still have to guide. You still have to instruct. And there's a nurturing process that goes on. And there's a lot of work that has to be done. And you're right. It never stops. And it's hard to say I need to put... My wife and I are going to celebrate 35 years of, of marriage, and we're going to drive to uh, Redosa back to where we came from. And we're really struggling because she wants to drive so that we can get away from the computers and get away from the phones and just just take our time and driving. And I'm thinking, but I won't be able to answer emails. I won't be able to check. Right. It's, it's, it's hard to turn it off. But the thing is, because you're fully engaged, it's it's really hard to trust other people with something that you've created. And that's a difficult thing. Every yeah. once in a while you get lucky and you find that one or two people that can run it like you will. And it's so refreshing, but still, you, you still worry about it. Just like leaving your child with a babysitter. Are they right. really watching them? I mean, are they making sure that he fall, that he's crying? I mean, yeah. did he get something to eat? Yeah. Yeah. So and it was interesting as far as that too, because like uh, we took a vacation. So Trevor... Trevor worked for me for about a year and a half. He decided to go pursue something else, which I applauded him That's or whatever. Right. But and he's actually coming back for a little bit. It could be part-time. We're still trying to work that out sure. now, try to figure out like some sort of hybrid role for him. Because, I mean, moving forward, I mean, obviously, I invested a lot of time into him, right? So uh, that's a huge investment that I would love to retain, but obviously, it's his life and things like that, right? It so, is what it is. But when I left, I went on vacation for, it was like six days. We went to Sao Padre Island. Good for you. And I told all of my reps, I told Trevor, I'm like, well, Trevor, obviously, my phone's always on for you. Right. Uh, but anyone else, I'm not answering any, whatever. But I said, as far as emails go, I told all my reps, I'm like, you can have me from nine, you know, nine to 10 right. every morning, and that's it. Uh, but my actually this computer right here ended up taking a shit while we were on vacation and I was freaking out about it da, 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 da. and then here I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here trying to re respond to emails and right, like open right. up PDF documents and sign documents and stuff right. from my phone and nothing was cooperating uh, it was just a pain in the ass right so I called Trevor to explain it to him and he's like Keenan I can handle it I promise like just bro like, like relax enjoy your time off good for him and it, it really was refreshing because I mean obviously I'm, I mean I'm at it you know, seven days a week. Right. And for me to be able to leave for those six days and to like legitimately close my laptop, not worry about it, only answer, uh, you know, one or two text messages a day from him. Uh, that was so freaking nice. That was so freaking nice it to be is. able to walk away. So, so to have someone on your team where you can do that, even though you don't necessarily want to, right. But there's sometimes where you need to, as you, need well, the mental health. you know? And so, uh, to, for him to do that for me was really nice before he, you know, he decided to go pursue something else. So I was, I'm glad that I got that out of the way, for you. you know, before he, before he popped smoke. But Jared, my new employee is doing extremely well. He just retired from, I don't know if you met him. But no. He just retired from DPS after oh. like 27 years. Really? So, uh, which, which information. he is. And it's actually really funny because he collects a pretty slick retirement, which means that I can afford him. Good. Which deal. is nice. Good so, deal. Uh, but now Jared has become a huge impact on the team. And then now that Trevor's you may or may not be back on board, it's going to be really nice if all three of us can come together because that would be one hell of a team.
Yeah. Um, but anyway, I digress about that. Uh, congratulations on the potential expansion thing. Thank that's, that's going to be really fun. Uh, so Earl, tell us, uh, tell us where we can find the menu, where settlers tables located and everything like that. We're on Facebook under settlers uh, table and the menus on there, lots of pictures. If you have any questions, you can always call us. It's, I never call the restaurant. Uh, so their, their menu is pretty nice. Uh, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I'm more of a sirloin guy than I am a ribeye guy. So last time I came, I did get a sirloin, but I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was I'm great. Fried pickles were phenomenal. Uh, the beer was actually really cold. It was very delicious. Yes, it well, thank uh, you. I got a shiner, which is funny because I was actually looking at a post. Uh, I'm actually wearing the same shirt now as I was when I came to your restaurant the first time. So that's pretty funny. But yeah, so tell us the phone number. Oh, you see what it is. I was trying to stall for you. 214-484-8282. We take reservations. We, you can call us and uh, leave a voicemail. Ruby will call you back or my daughter will call you back. And we can take care of all your needs. We do catering. We have a common area that we can book parties for. And, of course, you have the dining room. We're open Monday through Saturday. Awesome. Awesome, man. Well, Earl, thank you so much. Uh, thank, thank you so you much for, uh, for for being on the show. Uh, thoroughly yeah, enjoyed it. I've been uh, talking about you and your restaurant for enough. So if you want to listen to the other episodes, this is now episode nine. So you got a little bit of catching up to do. Yeah. But I want to say I really talked about yours probably three. Episode three is when I talked about when I came the first time. So if you want to chime in on that one, uh, okay. check that one out. But guys, as always, um, thank you so much for listening. Uh, this is Keenan over with Lateral Limits. You can find us uh, www.lateralimits.com. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok with the handle simply uh, Lateral Limits. Uh, our phone number is 972-836-0565. We're located down Broadway Boulevard in Garland, Texas. We can take care of all your firearms or otherwise manlyhood sort of needs. Uh, we carry a plethora of different products from firearms to cigars to suppressors to coffee to grooming products to uh, apparel. We carry all kind of crazy off-the-wall stuff. But as always, we always love to end the podcast, obviously with the name of Cheap Therapy, uh, one thing that I really strive forward is uh, obviously mental health uh, and just being able to talk through your problems. So guys, if there's anything that is occurring in your life that you really, really feel as if your life is better off ended, uh, I strongly want to tell you that it's not. The National Suicide Prevention Hotline is simply 988. It's a simple, short number. You can call it at any time. There's a consummate professional on the other end, 24 hours a day, that you can simply call. You just call 988 and there will be someone on the other end of the line to help talk you through whatever problems that it is you're facing. Or likewise, if you ever want to swing by the shop, I don't always make coffee anymore because it's pretty toasty outside, but all you have to do is ask and I'll happily throw in a pot for you. So uh, guys, as always, thank you so much for listening and Earl, thanks again for, thank for you, hopping Katie. on the show. Appreciate this. Awesome. Awesome, guys. So stay tuned for episode 10. My next, uh, my next guest, his name is Paul Potter. I'll be recording that episode probably in the next few days. Uh, our next episode is Paul Potter. He's the general manager of Young Chevrolet. So I'm bringing him, although he's not an entrepreneur, uh, we're bringing him on to really talk about the sales aspect of the game and, and how you can take his his success and his sort of tips and tricks of the trade, so to speak, towards your business and how you can further further produce better sales and, and better profit margins for your own business. So, guys, thank you so much for listening, and as always, stay groovy.